Alrighty, welcome to another edition of Dementia in Black and White. I am your host, Matthew Johnson. Thank you for tuning in this week. This week we're going to talk about caregivers taking care of themselves. Tips, information to help out with that part of caring for someone with dementia. Sit back, relax, enjoy the show. All right, so I have to tell you, there is this term that I really hadn't heard of until I became a caregiver, and that is respite care. Hadn't heard of that. And I'm on the National Institute on Aging, NIA, as it is called, and It defines respite care as short-term relief for primary caregivers. It can be arranged for just an afternoon or for several days or weeks. Care can be provided at home in a healthcare facility or at an adult day center. And so respite care essentially is an opportunity for the caregiver to get a break to get some relief in these places are places where someone can either come into the home or you can drop them off like a, a daycare for adults. And why is that important? Why would that be a thing? Respite care. How would this pop up as a cottage industry relating to caregivers from my own experience? I can tell you that it is because caregiving wears you out. I on more than one occasion at the earlier stage of this said out of my mouth, I think I bit off more than I can chew. The decision was for mom to move in with me or for us to move into a place together. Actually, I moved and she moved and we both moved into a different house to be closer to my brother because I knew it was going to be difficult and challenging for me. And when I made that decision, it was probably about, I don't know, four months before the move actually happened. And I even just expected, again, didn't know anything about respite care, didn't know anything about caregiving per se, because I hadn't been a full-time caregiver at that point. Mom was living alone, but in need of some full-time care. In fact, before that, and I'll talk about that in another video in terms of getting the news regarding her needing full-time care and how that happened, but This was the stage where I was going to do something about that. And I knew that it was going to be a stressful time. I just, you know, could put that together because it was such a change for me. Of course, moving is always stressful. Moving to a different city is stressful. So I knew that that was going to be a challenge. And I set out to prepare myself for that. So I want to talk about some things that I did in terms of caregiving, caring for myself and maybe This will provide you some ideas of things that you should consider as you are in this journey, even if you're not doing it alone, even if you're doing it with 
family members or you already have you know somebody coming in part time just sharing the tips and things that I've done to help myself uh maybe there's something there for you so what did I do early on I started to eat healthy I went into a a smoothie fast initially like 10 days just of just eating smoothies to sort of clean myself out and then I gave up meat and fish for six months. So trying to eat a little healthier there, focusing on fruits and vegetables after that smoothie fast. Um, And this was during COVID. So this was back in May of 2020. So this was AC after COVID. And of course, COVID brought its own stressors and anxiety and all of that. I felt that coming down on me as well. And so I knew adding the stress of uh, living with my mother with dementia was going to be some trying time. So I just wanted to start to eat healthier so that I could at least not drain myself physically quicker than I would had I not been eating healthy. And so that led to a weight loss of 35 pounds. Now, since then, I've put back 10 of those pounds and I'm trying to you know, pay attention to not continue in that direction. But that's been, it'll be a year in May now. It's uh, February. So successful so far in keeping off most of that. And I have added back fish um, to my diet, though I've still not added back any chicken or red meat, any meat, other meat at all, other than the fish. Another thing I do, I had been doing this prior, going to a chiropractor, had been going on a pretty regular basis, but since the move, it had been a while, Um, but uh, in November, I guess, the move happened in June, July time frame, and by the time November rolled around, I was reconnected with a chiropractor, and so For me, that just provided some tips and tricks in terms of relieving stress. And I know some people, you know, may feel some kind of way about chiropractors and all of that. But just whatever your health professional does for you in terms of keeping plugged into a health professional and having some type of stress relief, especially if you notice for me, I carry stress in my shoulders And having an adjustment helps me with that. Getting a massage, something I used to do, again, pretty regularly just to deal with the regular stress from work or with the world. But again, I had stopped that, moved to a different place. So the place that I would normally go for a massage, I didn't have that. So I did have to take some time to find a place. And I'm grateful and thankful that I have at least found a place temporarily. This is probably not going to be my permanent place, but... I've been a good six or seven times to a massage. I like to get to the point where that is a weekly thing for me as well. So that's something to think about. And then I ask for leave from work, still working full time and taking care of a loved one full time is very much a full time plus job. If you think about it. If the person requires 24-hour care, you're at least talking about three full-time jobs. That's eight hours that a person 
would need to take to have coverage for taking care of somebody 24 hours. Now, of course, I'm still of the mindset that, you know, she doesn't need somebody literally sitting under her for 24 hours in a day when she's sleeping. You know, that would be a time where she can be alone. But, you know, it would just be too much to have 24 hour care. So uh, do understand that it's, it's not I'm not providing that type of care, but having some time off work. So going in and. The Family Medical Leave Act, which I know is something that is applicable to government and private sector employers. Um, I work for the government, and so they follow that. But again, whether you work for the private sector or government, it should be applicable. I believe the you know small employers might not be applicable. I'm not sure how far it goes down. Don't quote me. I think 15 employees or more. You can ask for Family Medical Leave Act. And what it does is essentially allows you to take time off to care for a family member who needs your care. And so that could be, I think it has to be actually a parent or a sister or brother or somebody, you know, a close relative. Don't think it works for a third cousin on your mama side. So the rules are, I believe, at the Department of Labor's website. And there's even a form there where you can take that to the doctor, have the doctor complete that just to say your parent or whoever it is, your loved one has a condition that requires the care of you as a family member. And what it does is it gives you 480 hours annually of leave. And what that really is in place for is to protect your job. Because at a lot of places, if you were to miss 480 hours of work in a particular 12 month period, your employer might say you are unreliable and try to cut you from your position. And of course, losing income is not the best thing when you're trying to care for someone, particularly when you're probably taking on increased costs associated with that. So. Having that protection, and I can say that where I happen to work at the federal agency where I work, it was very much well received. Um, I have a supervisor, let's just call him John for the sake of this. John was very much uh, open and empathetic to my cause. It wasn't a pushing and shoving or trying to convince. It was a I. Uh, can identify with you. I too have a parent that I care for and whatever you need, whatever we can do to help support you, don't worry about it. And so once I was able to get that paperwork filled out, it was literally mm, two weeks from having the paperwork filled out that I could take advantage of it. Now you don't have to take the whole amount. You don't have to you know, use all 480 hours And it can be paid if your employer has it structured that way. So for me, because I have sick leave on the books, I am able to use that when I do need to take off to care for my mother. So I would very much have you look into that if you are considering taking time off work. Try to get under that umbrella of protection in case you have an employer that was not as friendly and helpful. As the one that I work for, you get to protect your job. And then another thing I did was therapy. 
54 years. I've never been to, you know, counseling therapy um, as such, but just because it was so wearing and tearing on me mentally, physically too, but mentally, I, you know, was even having problems focusing at work. And so uh, also through the job happens to have an EAP employee assistance program where it came with six visits to a counselor. And so I took advantage of that, which gave me some coping techniques some breathing exercises, some things that I can do when feeling anxiety or feeling stressed. And so having an approach that is the physical. So if you're dealing with your medical professional and mental is the way to go. And I can tell you that I was in a darker place than I am today. And all of these things I'm imagining had something to do with getting me through that dark time. Not to mention it's the winter here where I am in the Northeast and it gets snow, it's cold, it gets dark early. Seasonal affective disorder is a real thing. And you have all of that together, moving, COVID, winter, taking care of a loved one. All of these things can start to add up. And so it sort of just deducts from your mental health. So you can think of it as a depreciating asset, your mental and your physical health. And so the more you tax it, the more you stress it, the more it decreases. And so you have to do things to restore it. And the biggest thing, the biggest thing, Kale, Kale was the biggest thing for me. And I know you're thinking, well, you were talking about food already that you started to eat healthy and you moved on to talking about other things. Why are you talking about kale now? Not kale, K-A-L-E, but kale, my daughter, came in. She's an adult, an adult daughter, so don't you think I have a six-year-old coming in and helping me out. But she has come in for that particular purpose to help out, and it has been a godsend that she has showed up and is giving of her time and this time right now in her life, of course, she's you know kind of starting out in life. But to have these three generations essentially in the house, I certainly see an improvement in my mother just in terms of her being in a good mood most of the time now, but in me as well. So having a team effort. So, of course, not telling you to recall your child back because, you know, that was my biggest thing, my biggest pride to have two children that were out of the house on their own, living in a separate city, doing their own thing, not in my pocket, no boomerang kids. But in this case, desperate times called for desperate measures. And I asked to have my child be a boomerang and Kel answered the call and uh, returned home to do this. And we don't quite know how long it's going to be still working out those details, but the key here is to just ask for help. Don't be so proud in thinking that if you can't do it by yourself, then you are somehow lacking. 
No, it is a very difficult task. 24-hour care is three full-time people. So if you are working, you can't be three full-time people. If you are retired, you can't be three full-time people. Three full-time people needs more than one person doing everything. It will just depreciate your physical and your mental asset. Get help. That's probably the most important one of all the things I mentioned. Eating right, being healthy, getting help, whatever that is. Whether it's a family, whether it's companion care from one of your local caregiving organizations. And do check into that. Alzheimer's.org, again, a good site to see if there are things locally in your area. Various states and counties have senior services. Try to look up your city, senior services for your city, and see what pops up. These are places that are nonprofit that might have a fee that's on a sliding scale based on income, and they too might be able to send out people. Um, but Medicare, Medicaid, not sure how much. And again, I'm new to this, so please, if you know more about that, hit me up with the comments and let me know if Medicare, but I don't think they would pay for kind of some ongoing respite care. If it's a skilled facility or you're getting skilled nurses, I believe that might be covered. But in terms of the, you know, just a companion who's going to come in and spend time, maybe prepare a meal, do some light cleaning, that type of thing. That'll probably run you on average about $20 an hour you're using one of the just the commercial facilities and like I said there might be some senior services in your community I want you to check that out as well so that's it folks that's all I have thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of dementia in black and white next week we'll talk about something else I'm just going to continue to share my journey with you in hopes that It can help somebody else, but really, it's also to help me. Thanks for listening. Until next time, take care of your loved one. Yes, but do also take care of you. I'm out.